Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the September 22nd, 2023 Friday reading of the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today, we'll be reading the following main articles. 2023 Community Summit provides nonprofit training, recognizes community awardees, written by Arc Valley Voice staff. First Chips and Science Act funds will benefit Colorado, written by Jan Wundra. Red States Intensify Culture War, this time over books, written by Jan Wundra and Chafee County suicide rates running about level with 2022, and following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, 2023 Community Summit provides nonprofit training, recognizes community awardees. This posted by Arc Valley Voice staff. The combination Chafee County Community Foundation CCCF Training Summit and the CCCF Awards event at the Chafee County Fairgrounds on Tuesday, September 19th was a major success. The culmination of the day was the presentation of three well-deserved awards from a field of deserving nominees. Organization of the Year, Full Circle Restorative Justice, Volunteer of the Year, Carol Morovka of the Alliance, and Philanthropist of the Year, Katie Welter. These volunteers, organizations, and philanthropists knit together the fabric of Chafee County. CCCF opens up public nominations in July, and that process runs through September 1st. The winners are selected by the CCCF board based on the criteria below and their broad impact across Chafee County. Each winner receives a $500 mini-grant to a local nonprofit of their choice. Award Criteria and Nominees Organization of the Year This award recognizes an outstanding nonprofit organization that has served Chafee County with innovation, demonstrated high-impact programming, and dedication to constant improvement, making a significant contribution to the vitality of our local community by meeting a significant need with effective solutions. Nominations for this award included Betch, four nominations, Full Circle Restorative Justice, and Shining Mountains Montessori School, 40 nominations. The award winner, Full Circle Restorative Justice, is on the rise in Chafee County. New Executive Director Eric Lee and staff are beginning to become the go-to organization for community needs. They run programs in the school districts and aid other local nonprofit organizations to better serve their own parts of the community. We're here to help. We have the resources to do the wonderful work of resolving conflict, said Lee, as he accepted the award. Volunteer of the Year This award recognizes an outstanding individual who is volunteering their time and talent in the nonprofit sector in Chafee County, making a significant contribution to our community through dedication, service, innovation, leadership, and collaboration in their volunteer roles. 
Carol Morovka, one nomination, Corey Salty Riggs, six nominations, Gina Lucrezzi, one nomination. CCCF Award winner Morovka is a five-year veteran volunteer with the Alliance. In this challenging line of work, she is known as compassionate, capable, and tenacious, someone who can be counted upon to handle almost any situation. Morovka could not attend the event due to being exposed to COVID, so her award was accepted by Shelley Schreiner, who said she couldn't say enough good things about the volunteer spirit of Morovka. Over the past five years, she has shown this enormous capacity and willingness to jump in and resolve problems. Philanthropist of the Year This award recognizes an outstanding donor whose giving has made a significant impact in Chafee County. This individual, family, company, or organization serves as an exemplar of generosity through outstanding charitable support, leadership, and service. Nominees included Katie Welter, one nomination, Tom Rowlings, one nomination. True to her award designation, the CCCF Philanthropist Award winner Katie Welter dedicated her $500 mini-grant to Buena Vista Heritage. Her nomination noted, It is difficult to measure or even fully understand Katie's contribution to this community. One of the smartest and most driven people I know, Katie gives from a place of service and empathy. Whether it be the McGinnis Gym or the Watershed Ranch or a historic Main Street Commission, she moves forward courageously and gracefully, even in the face of staggering projects and difficult conversations. I give from a place of service and empathy. I'm a serious person, said Welter, as she accepted her award. When I'm asked what is philanthropy, I call it a chance to make a shared vision come true. Philanthropy is not just money. It's expertise. It's in our bones. She paused and added, you don't have to be a Carnegie or a Rockefeller to be a philanthropist. Summit training, thorough and well-received. According to Chafee County Community Foundation, CCCF, Director of Operations, Rochelle Verthaler, the 2023 Chafee County Summit, produced by CCCF, its partners and sponsors, drew more than 80 attendees, representing 37 nonprofit entities to the Chafee County Fairgrounds. The all-day annual workshop was aimed at skills building, professional development, leadership growth, and collaboration opportunities. Arc Valley Voice and its nonprofit parent, the Truth Has a Voice Foundation, had the opportunity to attend two morning sessions. Of vital interest to all nonprofits, grant writing is a skill in high demand and short supply. As such, the Grant Writing 101 and 201 sessions drew more than 20 attendees. To help fill that skills gap, Chrissy Supples, a member of the CCCF Board and Grants Committee, led both basic and advanced grant writing sessions. Supples has extensive international nonprofit and grant writing experience and first guided a mixed group of neophytes as well as more experienced grant applicants through the basics of preparing for writing grants and assembling needed documents. It's all aimed at efficiently giving funders just what they are looking for and hopefully aligning the missions and needs of both parties. 
The competitive grant process is similar to applying for a high-level job, requiring candidates to first do their homework on themselves and the funder, then show how they are the best fit while writing powerful paragraphs in an all-important narrative that compel attention during a typical less-than-10-minute review before considering limited grantor funds. Supples was aided in the two-voice presentation by CCCF Executive Director Betsy Dittenberg, who added her own previous experiences as a grant writer and now while directing the efforts of the CCCF Grants Committee. Dittenberg cautioned attendees that a 10% success rate is typical for non-professional grant applications. On the other hand, she added, If you hit a much higher rate, you're not making a big enough or the right ask. Finally, some small grants with high reporting requirements cost more in time and effort than they are worth, she concluded. After Supples and Dittenberg cited examples of well-written narratives and all took a brief break, participants came back for the advanced hands-on Grant Writing 201 session. A logic model was presented as the best way to prepare to position a nonprofit for grant consideration. Well before tackling the widely used Colorado Common Grant application or any custom versions of it, the logic model asks the nonprofit to consider its activities and programs, what inputs, resources, and data they invest to make those happen, outputs, who they seek to reach. And the provable outcomes, metrics of success over the short, intermediate, and long terms of their programs. While working through sample models at each table, participants received one-on-one coaching from Supples and Dittenberg, leaving them with a takeaway to help jumpstart their next grant application and take its quality to a higher level, well beyond merely good indentions. Editor note, managing editor, publisher Jan Wondra and Truth Has a Voice Foundation president Merrill Bergen contributed to this story. That Story 2023 Community Summit provides nonprofit training, recognizes community awardees. And next up, First Chips and Science Act funds will benefit Colorado. This posted by Jan Wondra. Hickenlooper Bennett announced $39.8 million award to create a Southwestern Partnership of Community Colleges and Universities. On Wednesday, U.S. Senators John Hickenlooper and Michael Bennett applauded the announcement that a $39.8 million Chips and Science Award is headed to Colorado as part of what is being called the Microelectronics Commons Southwest Regional Hub. The effort is a collaborative forum for regional technology leaders, including the University of Colorado Boulder, National Labs, and private sector partners to accelerate and enhance research efforts in the microchip sector. The production of semiconductors and microchips is considered an urgent national security issue. The announcement marks the first official allocation of national funding to specifically grow domestic semiconductor production, awarded via the Chips and Science Act. At present, 
the vast majority of the microchips necessary for everything from cars to refrigerators, stoves, production lines, and home heating systems are made at a single-chip factory in Taiwan. Earlier this year, Hickenlooper and Bennett joined Senators Mark Kelly, Martin Heinrich, Kirsten Cinema, and Ben Ray Lujan to send a letter in support of the Southwest Regional Hub proposal. Our Chips and Science Act is already bringing good-paying manufacturing jobs back to America," said Hickenlooper. This first award will guarantee that Colorado is at the forefront of keeping America as the world's economic leader. Go Buffs! We cannot afford to lose our competitive edge in strategic technologies like semiconductors to competitors like China," said Bennett. I'm glad to see the University of Colorado Boulder selected, alongside public and private institutions across the Southwest, to help advance U.S. economic competitiveness and strengthen our national security. The Department of Defense (DoD) Microelectronics Commons Program was created to address a critical gap in U.S. semiconductor manufacturing and innovation by establishing direct pathways for U.S.-based microelectronics researchers and designers to get their innovations to market quickly and efficiently to bolster our national security. The Southwest Hub will provide a collaborative forum for regional technology leaders, including the University of Colorado Boulder and private sector firms of all sizes, to accelerate and enhance research efforts. That story, first Chips and Science Act funds will benefit Colorado. And continuing in the news, red states intensify culture war this time over books. This posted by Jan Wondra. Republican-controlled states quit nation's oldest library group amid culture war over books. Teachers fired for assigning classic books that have been in the curriculum for decades. A 150-year-old organization, the American Library Association (ALA), is the latest target of the culture war. Being promulgated by the far right of the Republican Party, now states controlled by Republican legislators or represented by Republican senators and congressmen are turning down money and training from the ALA, claiming it is setting out to sexualize children. The partisan battle is like nothing the ALA has ever had to face before in its history as an uncontroversial, some would say, sleepy and dignified history. It is the oldest library association in the world. It has existed to provide funding, training, and tools to most of the country's 123,000 libraries, including the libraries of Chaffey County, Colorado. But now. The far right and those claiming their parental rights to control what their children learn are leading to raging debates over what and how to teach about race, sex, and gender. That doesn't mean the ringleaders of this attack are experts in the topics they are attacking. They are themselves sexualizing the topic and applying adult interpretations to childhood. Something that Chaffey County got a taste of when the directors of the Chaffey Child Care Initiative and the Schoolhouse were charged with child abuse for the actions of a three-year-old. 
Now the historic library system is being entangled in the education culture wars, the agenda for which is being pushed by groups such as Moms for Liberty, the Colorado Christian Seminary in Lakewood, Hillsdale College, the Steamboat Institute, and abetted by dozens of Christian think tanks and institutes enforcing conservative theology. Their attack on the American Library Association includes claims that by allowing the original text of books, it is abetting sexualizing children. During a U.S. Senate judicial review this past week, conservative politicians and parents on the right increasingly paint the association as a defender of pornographic literature. Over the summer, state libraries in Montana, Missouri, and Texas announced that they were severing ties with the ALA, imperiling their libraries' access to funding and training. More may soon follow. The American Library Association is facing a partisan firefight, unlike anything in its almost 150-year history. The once uncontroversial organization, which says it is the world's largest and oldest library association and which provides funding, training, and tools to most of the country's 123,000 libraries, has become entangled in the education culture wars. The raging debates over what and how to teach about race, sex, and gender culminated in Tuesday's Senate hearing, where conservative senators complained about the ALA as promoting pornographic materials. Simply by offering and supporting the full range of literary history, books such as The Diary of Anne Frank, The Color Purple, Black Like Me, or even Shakespeare, the ALA, say conservatives, is contributing to the sexualizing of children. Never mind that some of the ultra-conservative Christian sects promote forcing girls to marry early, forbid birth control, or women in their control doing any work outside the home. For the past 20 years, the ALA has tracked requests to pull books from library shelves. The requests have risen dramatically in the past few years, According to an ALA report, it tracked 1,269 attempts to remove library books in 2022, the highest number of challenges to books since it began compiling statistics on the issue. The books garnering the highest complaints are books written by or for LGBTQ plus audiences. What we're seeing is a lot of fear from people, a very vocal minority, that has managed to paint the wrong picture of the majority of public libraries, said Susan Gregory, the director of Bozeman Public Library in Montana, talking with the Washington Post. Not only is the ALA facing a partisan firefight, but teachers are increasingly caught in the crosshairs. Just this week, a Houston, Texas middle school teacher was fired for reading from the graphic version of The Diary of Anne Frank to students in her classroom. Now this diary about the coming of age of an actual teenager who died in a Nazi concentration camp was published in 1947, so it's not new. But the graphic novel format incensed conservatives for its teenage thoughts on sex and gender. The thing is, Local news media has reported that while district officials claim the adaptation of Anne Frank's diary was not approved, 
it was included on a reading list sent to parents at the start of the school year. As the movement banning books in public schools and public libraries on topics that far-right conservatives deem inappropriate gains steam, it might be wise to look back in history at other totalitarian efforts to censor topics, books, and people, and how that turned out. The American Library Association has more than 50,000 members and chapters in all 50 states. It sends millions to libraries every year, providing thousands of hours of professional training. It advises local libraries on navigating federal grant applications, hosts a scholarship program for librarians of color, and accredits library and information science schools nationwide. That story, Red States Intensify Culture War, this time over books. Next up, Chafee County suicide rates running about level with 2022, this posted by Jan Wundra. As recently proclaimed by the Chafee Board of County Commissioners, September is National Suicide Prevention Month in the county. For a variety of reasons, not all known or understood, Colorado and the high country of Colorado have suicide rates higher than the national average. Given this renewed focus on mental health and prevention, Arc Valley Voice decided to review the county's recent record of suicides occurring here, as reported by Chafee County Coroner Jeff Graff. For 2022, there were 12 suicides by a variety of means, with five by guns and four by hanging. 2022 suicide deaths, two 1822 hanging Department of Corrections, three 1222 multiple drug overdose, three 1222 hanging Department of Corrections. 25522 CO2 asphyxiation car 62722 gunshot wound to mouth 7122 gunshot wound to head 92122 CO2 asphyxiation 93022 hanging 101022 gunshot wound 101322 hanging 112322 gunshot wound 112822 gunshot wound as much as we might not want to hear this graf says that the 2023 suicide rates are on pace to be an average year as was 2022 we are at 8 suicides for 2023 in general, guns have become the most common form of suicide. That story, Chafee County suicide rates running about level with 2022. And finally, a gun, a school district, a police department response. This posted by Jan Wundra. The incident is described as a school lockdown, but the threat implied from the decision to go into lockdown on Monday, September 18th was not on campus. Arc Valley Voice has confirmed with Salida School District Board Secretary Kim Latourneau that there was no substantiated threat of any kind. But other unconfirmed sources have told AVV that there was a person with a weapon outside Salida High School. 
The incident, however it is being defined, or what it actually included, resulted in the Salida School District SSD being placed under added layers of security at the request of the Salida Police Department. According to SSD, when the police department responded to Salida High School, the department asked that it be moved to a lockdown status. Salida Middle School, Horizons Exploratory Academy, and Colorado Mountain College were also put into a lockdown status, while Longfellow Elementary School, Salida Early Childhood Center, and the Crest Academy all moved to a secure status. Officially, the Salida School District says that it will not be releasing any further details because of legal privacy protections for minors. The district appreciates the community's understanding and patience as our local first responders worked to ensure safety in our school community. As always, school counselors are available for any students who need support. What happened continues to be murky at best. Without giving away the details of the incident, the school district says that the police department worked to quickly assess the situation and were able to allow all schools to return to normal operations. So we don't know if there was a gun loaded or unloaded, waved about or indicated in a pocket, used to threaten others, shown off or there for personal protection. That SHS went into lockdown status, not lockout, would seem to indicate that the weapon was outside the school building. We don't know the person's state of mind or even if it was a student. We don't know the school's response when the situation first presented. We don't know what the police department did other than lock the school down. And that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Arc Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.